0: Welcome to Deepening Roots and Growing Branches at New Life EFC Church, which is redundant because C is the church <laughs> in Texas, Minnesota. This is Paul Arneberg, director of Discipled by Doing, with Pastor Brent Kumpel our fearless lead pastor here. <laughs> actually, I shouldn't say fearless because you fear the Lord. So there you go. That's hey, that there is. yeah We are episode 40, and I do love the number 40, both biblically and personally. So I did actually mention this, I believe, in episode 39 or one of those, the three-parter on um, the, the recent one we did on consumer to stewarding, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus all fasted 40 days in the desert. So there's something about that number that they all were, in fact, Moses did it twice because he did it first when he yep. received the law and we had to receive the second set of tablets. Israel wandered for 40 years in yep. the desert, and that was because they were disobedient after just two years when they didn't listen to Caleb and Joshua to go to the promised land. And then I just looked up this this morning because I remembered this, but it, it hasn't been emphasized a lot, in, at least in my teaching or my learning, that Jesus appeared for 40 days after he rose from the dead. Yes. And you just spoke on John 20 in uh, the sermons a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be doing the second half of that
0: here in uh, pretty soon. Very so nice. I'm not sure when this episode is going to drop actually, so maybe it already happened. So then my personal uh, nod to the number 40, and this goes into our topic today, and when I turned 40, that was the first year I had 140, coincident, but 140 Jugheads, which I believe ushered in the golden age of my career with Mm. youth. We got the gold medal international world championship in teams juggling. I ran my fourth and fifth marathons, and I really got into that, that rhythm and the groove of, of nutrition and, and exercise balance, which I did flesh out in um, episodes 35 and 34. And also, Wendy and my wife and I entered a period of rest in our career with Jugheads, and that last most of our 40s, and then of course a lot of things hit the fan in 2020. But the reason all of that relates not just to the biblical 40, but to our topic is because when I coached The jugheads. It was all about in person. In fact, maybe later, Brent, we can talk a little bit about how did New Life reopen after spring of 2020. But I'll tell you what, I was chomping at the bit to open as soon as possible because we can't have a youth juggling company distance. We can't do Zoom calls, which we tried for three months, and uh, and and then we did reopen for a juggling revival camp in in July of 2020, and then we did reopen with masks for a full school year. But the point is, my whole career has been based on analog, i.e. face-to-face, not digital, yep. and also even my running, things like that. So today, having set that up rather lengthily, if that's a verb uh, or, or an adverb, <laughs> uh, it's this digital to analog. We are going to talk yep. about digital to analog, and we um, the irony is not lost on us. Right now, we are very digital. We are talking to digitally just two men in Brent's office at New Life Church, <laughs> yep. presumably to one or 200 or however many listen either now or years from now if it's archived. And so we are. Are using digital technology to reach you with a message of analog as a transformational outcome.
1: Yeah. So our <laughs> this is some of the irony of what we're going to talk about today. We're, our transformational outcome today is moving from digital to analog. And what we want to do is kind of flesh out a little bit of a uh, what is the 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 type of world we're living in now with all of the digital technology that we have. And what is maybe a a good philosophy or an approach to technology broadly? And then what are some of the uniquenesses of the highly digital kind of screen-focused, distant, often not in-person interactions that we have? What are some of the liabilities of that and things that we need to be careful of? Yes. Um, The movement from digital to analog is not necessarily that digital is always bad. It's that there's something unique about the cultural moment that we live in where we need to be... um, careful to and intentional to re-embrace, turn the volume back up on, be intentional about those in-person embodied face-to-face relational time, because that's not, that's becoming less and less normal, natural, or that there's normal rhythms of that in our lives. That's right. So it's something to just be aware of. And, and it's actually good. It's beautiful. It's the way God made us is to be in that kind of face-to-face relational time. So let's set this up a little bit. If we're going to look at the cultural times we live in, I felt like in in some of our our pre broadcast conversations, Paul is is I feel like we need to talk a little bit about a, a broader picture of a view of technology because sure. sometimes when we hear that word technology, we immediately think of modern digital technology. Like yes. when I say the word technology, everyone thinks of Silicon Valley. They think of my smartphone. They think of my computer. They think of whatever other screen based, internet based computing technology and that's sort of a narrow slice of a broader understanding of what you would call technology in a bigger sense and so um i'm sitting here with a a cup of water in my hand yes and it happens to be a glass uh mason jar yes but this jar is technology mm-hmm. because, yeah. uh, it was, it's fashioned for this purpose to hold the water, to give me an opportunity to be able to have hydration while I'm doing this episode. But we have technology all around us. We're mm-hmm. sitting on chairs, chairs are technology. This pen I'm holding in my hand is technology. Whenever we take, The raw materials of this creation that God has so wonderfully, beautifully made and resourced us to be able to make things, whenever we take those things and we make them into tools, instruments, things that enhance our image bearing and our glorifying of God as we cultivate and care for creation, anything like that is technology. It's the development of a tool in order to, um, from our perspective, obviously, as believers, to glorify God by fulfilling the creation mandate for God's image bearers. Max. Yes. And so that, that how, how does that strike you? Like, it's it's interesting to think of technology in a broader sense. It, it
0: is. Well, it strikes me because I admit, uh, as uh, I, I wouldn't call myself a grumpy old man or even a uh, uh, an irritable middle-aged man, I would just say <laughs> I am a skeptic when it comes to anything with technology. But the, the word I think of synonymous with technology is electronic. And when you talk about that, uh, that I think is, it, is it balls? Yeah. a balls mug? Yeah, that a, ball, yeah, a, ball. a ball jar. Ball mm-hmm. jar, yeah, which <laughs> many people use for canning and use it for water. And by the way, I know some in our audience would approve of glass, not plastic. I still haven't repented for my Nalgene habit. I have about 12 Nalgenes I drink out of every other day. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think of electronics, but you're exactly right that anything, the mass production of glass or or of the chair and the pen, I've heard it said petroleum is used in all those products. And we need to not only get the oil out of the ground, we have to process that into pens and clothes and uh, chairs and cars and everything else. so it's not just the dreaded iPhone or the internet or the, the big screen TV or, or even cars for that matter. It's everything that we use. And what you said is yeah. we need to understand, in fact, I would even say this, Brent, in, in answer to the question about what is technology, I would believe or I, I would assert technology is amoral. In other words, it's not either evil or good in and of itself. It's like money. How do we use it?
1: Yeah. And I think that's that's a good point. And what we need to build on in our understanding of... uh, In previous episodes, we've really dove into Genesis 1 and 2 and understanding as image bearers of God, we've been commanded and fitted to the task of being fruitful and uh, multiplying, ruling over, subduing, having having a good and benevolent dominion as God's image bearers over a creation. To work and keep is to cultivate and protect. And mm-hmm. so there's this sense of us uh, applying the skills that God has given us, the faculties, the energy, the intelligence, all the things that he has gifted to us as human beings to cultivate and protect and care for creation in a way that glorifies God. Yes technology in that simple definition of pens, uh, a chair, a cup, Mm -hmm. these are ways that enhance those things, but we need to be careful about how we use them. So here's the difference in in my mind, and this is some of the reading and research I've done on it. I like to think of it as technology in the broad sense can either be a tool that enhances the God-given task we have as God's image bearers or it can cross a line and become an idol. Yes. And the difference here, and this is critical, mm-hmm. is that we need to figure out whether that technology is serving us, is serving the good purposes that God made for us to do as image bearers and for his good his creation. Or are we serving it? Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Is it serving us or are we serving it? And I think that that, that alone is a paradigm to approach things like digital technology today, because you could say um, that there are things today that more often we have a lot of technology that has become something that controls us rather than Mm. us controlling it. Yes, And that's where I have the biggest concern, I think, when we talk about um, the current climate of technology that we're in.
0: Yes, and as you're speaking, and this is from memory, but in Matthew 6, Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. Mm. And that's a great right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5-7. through 7. In chapter 6, he talked about money in the middle of that chapter and he said, you cannot serve both God and money. And that could, again, substitute the word money for, you cannot serve God and technology. You can't cannot serve God and even ultimately people. But of course, we know that that's the second greatest commandment. So there's the mystery there. But I would even say, we can't put any one person above our fidelity to the Lord, yeah. let alone any inanimate object like technology but hear what we're saying we're not saying all technology is bad or that we are sinful to use it as you were speaking earlier Brent I was even thinking seed packets let's think of the people that live the most off the grid the most whole off the earth uh, whether it's a farmer or whether it's a gardener we have to buy seed packets and they're probably technologically sealed so they can be (laughs) shipped through the mail right so the the most rudimentary thing that we enjoy um, even the Amish I'm sure have to rely on technology to get their farm equipment
1: yeah It's great. I mean, just there's practical examples everywhere. I use like when I use a backpack, that's technology. When Mm -hmm. the farmer across the parking lot here at church uh, plows his field, he's using a tractor. That's all technology. Mm -hmm. So of course, like technology, we are surrounded every single day Mm -hmm. in in the clothes we wear, the 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 pens we use, the chairs we sit on with technology. Now, to 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 try and understand and think, I think the important thing here is to pause. And look at our lives and think critically about whether the technologies around us are serving to help us fulfill glorifying God through our lives, Mm -hmm. or whether those technologies have turned around and are starting to control us in a way that diminishes that image bearing, that pulls us away from relationship with people, that damages our ability to cultivate and care for and protect creation, that pulls us away from... Uh, time with the Lord that yep. I don't know in ways that are actually harmful like we can't we need to stop and think about technologies in that kind of a way mm-hmm. and so that helps to get I, I think what we need to do is sometimes is to step out of that uh daily realm of of just all these things that that some of them are crossing those lines think critically about them talk about them openly and then put them back in their proper place yes I think an analogy here sometimes we've I know I've preached on this, or we've talked about it before at our church. One of the most important things we can do in terms of um, our relationship with God is make sure that what we love is in the right order. Mm. Uh, Augustine, theologian from you know the fourth century, mm-hmm. he he kind of came up with and and really coined this kind of terminology of rightly ordered love. Mm-hmm. So it's not wrong to love your spouse. Obviously, it's not wrong to love uh, a friend or a child or or, or, or a neighbor. It's it's a matter, or or even to love the pen. Like I enjoy this pen, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. (laughs) It's to put them in the right order. Yes. Loving God supremely, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself, and then everything else comes in order after that, in proper dimension and proper proportion. Yes, proportion. And in proper order. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to have your loves out of order or out of proportion. Same thing with technology. I think it's a good analogy to say, when we when we look at our lives. You want to make sure that we put technologies and I, I everything from pens to a uh, smartphone mm-hmm. in their proper place, in their proper proportion. And I think that that requires us to think um, carefully. It requires us to live with restraint. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I've said this a couple of times. I, I think that word restraint for me is such a powerful one because- for us to exercise restraint means that I'm in my will as being, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to say no, or to dial down the proportion on something to have self-control yes. is a fruit of the spirit. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Galatians five. But it's, having that restraint allows us to put technologies in their proper place so that they don't control us. Yes, And I think that is such an important paradigm for us to think about.
0: Yeah, It reminds me of a line from a, a good movie from the year 2000. It's called Finding Forrester with Sean Connery. And he's talking to this young man he's mentoring. And, and this young man is kind of a TMI person. And Sean Connery said, you might have some wisdom from holding back. You don't have to share everything <laughs> you're ever thinking. And similarly, restraint, a great synonym, is discipline. Yeah. We can hold back. We yeah. do not have to indulge in everything just because we can, just because we have the free time, just because we have the money. There is wisdom in restraint in everything we do. And even in, well, there's passages in the Bible, even restraining, let's say, from affection in the marriage relationship. I know the chapter and verse, you you can look it up yourself. But nonetheless... Well, it reminds me of Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time for everything under heaven. And that would be like, for instance, one of the things that does relate to technology and digital technology, turning off your phone by a certain time. So the blue light doesn't affect your sleep. So that goes back to the restraint, Brent. It yep. can't be ubiquitous 24-7, or you will lose sleep, which we can get to in a little bit. You will lose relationships because you don't know how to interact in person. It's all yep. about digital. No. And, and again, it, let me let me just say this before I forget. Uh, I, I wrote 32 years ago in my pre prayer journal. When I was just graduated from college in December of 91, looking for a job in radio, I wrote in my prayer journal this, I forsake Scrabble and darts until my audition tapes are finished. (laughs) And so I'll tell you, my personality, hey, I don't need an iPhone to be obsessive about things. I just need to give up my anything I can do. if if It's an obstruction. If it's an obstacle, if it's a stumbling block, get rid of it. And I think, Brent, what you and I are saying in this thematic two-part episode on digital digital to analog, uh, technology is probably the most ubiquitous stumbling block for most people in our culture in 2024.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think there's some uniquenesses of why that's the case. So to cut to the chase a little bit, some of the things about digital technology that make it more dangerous or potentially risky, uh, or that we need to be, uh, able to think critically about it mm-hmm. is that some of the technologies with smartphones and computers and social media and like other things of this sort are specifically crafted, designed are created in order to keep your attention mm-hmm. in order ah. to cause you to scroll more in order. They're algorithmically, that dopamine? they call yeah, it dopamine. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're algorithmically designed to keep you uh, on that screen yes. and moving your thumb down so that you get more advertisements to scroll by. I mean yeah. it's literally it's all monetized. So yeah. the so just being honest about that is the reality of these things is that they're potentially harmful and that they turn into something that ser- that that we serve or that controls us because the uniqueness of how they're made uh, some of these technologies is in order to continue to grab your attention, to continue to distract you, to continue to keep you addicted to it, essentially. And so that's where it becomes an idol Mm -hmm. or something that potentially becomes out of order or out of proportion.
0: And then that starts to be harmful for us. I just wrote that word down as you were speaking and you said it, addiction or addicted. That's a word that we are very familiar with here at New Life because we have a wonderful ministry called Rise Up Recovery about addiction. We're going to have the Teen Challenge Choir, or by the time you heard this, we had Teen Challenge minnesota adult and teen challenge come and sing. they've been all over the twin cities i believe they're a national organization and remember that think of that as an analogy people that when you think of drugs and alcohol those are classic addictions addictions another addiction that many men struggle with is pornography but we're talking about technology please don't dismiss the addictive effects of uh, of technology that can rob you not only of joy and I would say flourishing, but it can actually lead you to sin and misplaced priorities. Back to the Augustine quote: "A misordered yeah. love." Yeah, exactly.
1: So here's another key term for me that's been helpful. I heard a term recently, uh, a couple years ago, uh, that's called the progress trap. Mm. And um, I think if somebody really wants to find the source of that, I can look it up again. But so forgive me for not having the attribution on 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 the fly here. Uh, But the the idea of a progress trap is that as we develop new things, new technologies, as as sort of the, the world advances we don't know all of the scope of the implications of the things that we're doing. Yes. Ooh. So when we develop, we, we were just talking about the story before the episode, because mm-hmm. um, we were talking about, we we're going to talk about digital technology. So <laughs> you were, you mentioned, well, the iPhone came out in 2007. That's and right. That's the year that I got married. Yay. So Sarah and I got married in 2007. And I remember that year, not only because it was <laughs> the year we got married, That's important. but I had a friend who, um, whose next door neighbor worked for, apple because mm. we were living in silicon valley that's where sarah and i spent at least me most of my growing up years sarah mm. was born and raised there mm-hmm. um next door neighbor of my friend had what worked for apple and worked on the iphone wow. when they were developing it i remember being at his house in the in t- early 2007 and we were out front on the driveway and his neighbor comes out and we start chatting him up and he comes over and he kind of whispers over to me and a couple of my friends do you want to see the new iphone wow and we we're like Oh my gosh, of course. So he pulls this device out of his pocket and we're all kind of ooing and awing at this uh, yet to be released yeah. technology. And of course, everybody's talking and waiting and waiting for the iPhone to come out, right? Mm-hmm. At that moment, I look back sort of in, in my mind's eye, like in the time machine of my, of my imagination, <laughs> none of us had any idea what the full scope and the implications no. of that device are. Not at all. Not only the physical realities, because you mentioned how... Uh, scrolling endlessly through that screen can actually like it causes problems in your sleep it causes problems psychologically mm-hmm. emotionally like all, it's all kinds of Mental physical health, effects of course, right yes, yeah. but not only that the, the software the apps that are developed and the, there's so many good things about it that can be used for good mm-hmm. but the reality is like the the full scope of that technology includes a lot of potential harm yes. that we that you can't foresee so this idea of the progress trap is that we will often develop new things and not know the full implications positively or negatively of them until, mm-hmm. we've are, until we're experiencing them. And then in many ways, it's too late. It's already yes. happening. Yep. And so that's, I think, when we talk about moving from analog or from digital to analog, there's a sense of putting things in their right order and right proportion so that technology, especially digital technology, which has some unique potential risks, that those things get put into their proper place that we don't just bad mouth and throw them out and whatever other things like technology is a thing we live with all day That's right. every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how can we be especially careful with digital technology to make sure that it's in its proper place so that cause the progress trap reality is like, we still are, we're learning about the implications of digital technology as we're experiencing it, which mm-hmm. is kind of a scary reality because you don't know what's coming, like what the yep. real implications are. So, um, One of the, we're going to talk in the next episode about some more practical outcomes of Mm -hmm. that. Like, what does that look like? And even going into a little bit more detail on, uh, what, what, what implications we're seeing in some research that's been done and things like that. So we'll get there. But I, I think as you, as we go back into these episodes that we've already talked about the theology of the image bearing, Mm -hmm. as we look at what God desires of us to be fruitful for his glory. We have to think carefully these days about technology because of uh, the uniqueness of the world, the ubiquity of it, the fact that it's invasive in every aspect of our lives. And so we can't just sort of walk through that blindly. We have to actually like stop and, and consider
0: it. Yep. And of course, I have to come up with a movie, another movie <laughs> quote because when you're talking about the uh, not knowing what essentially Pandora's box was opening with the iPhone, Jurassic Park 1993. I hated the evolutionary teaching of it, but I love the special effects and the acting. And one of the things that Jeff Goldblum said um, you scientists, uh, you, 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 you thought about whether you could, but you never thought whether you should. Yep. So the idea that yep. you can do something, yes, you can. It's yeah. like Paul said all things are permissible, not all things are beneficial. Yes. So I will not be mastered by anything, which is one of his uh, epistles from the Apostle Paul.
1: Yeah, it, it's a biblical concept that 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 there needs to be a sense of uh, not only like self control in terms of having that discipline and restraint that we already talked about, mm-hmm. but applying wisdom to these things. Mm-hmm. Is it, Ooh, biblical wisdom. Yep. The Bible is uh, full of this this theme across the whole scriptures of. Godly wisdom, yep, and the opposing is the fool. Like mm-hmm. when you talk about the uh, proverbs, especially in uses proverbs, this language all, nine. all over the place. Yep, but then it's in Psalms; it's it's all over in mm-hmm. the Old Testament, especially uh, when you when you see that one of the things that God wants to cultivate, develop, and make fruitful in us is godliness and godly wisdom. That requires that we often in moments like this, especially like here we are 2024 with the amount of digital technology that's invaded our lives to stop and think about it, yes. to pause for a moment. And like, should I be, should I be doing that much usage of this particular technology or how is this thing invaded and taken over my life? Um, it's, it's almost impossible to avoid, but we need to think critically about it and then apply wisdom to it.
0: Yes. Well, as we begin to wrap up in a couple of minutes, I I actually, this morning I had in my devotions, Psalms 12 to 14, but when you said wisdom, I'm going to read for you a great verse from the book of James chapter three, verse 17. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That would be a good list of those eight words to think about as you do use technology are those words being applied in your technological use. But the reason I read that now, not just to tie together with your word wisdom, Brent, from the Bible, but this morning I wrote this, I don't transcribe transcribe many verses into my prayer journal, but I did write this from Psalms 12, Psalm 12, 6, and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words. That operative word, pure, and that's the first thing that James lists as mm-hmm. wisdom is pure. Like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, you shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. So that that's a neat way to put a biblical bow on this discussion, yeah. part one of digital to analog, because we want purity. In fact, that's a great word that we think about often when it comes to what what, what our eyes doing when we're looking at technology. What is our heart doing? when we're tempted to gossip or read gossip on any of the social media channels. But remember, it's not just about dogging on the modern thing. It's about your heart. Are you following the Lord? Are you seeking the purity that is only in the Lord, only in his wisdom? And any final comments? I don't have that last word, Brent, but I really like those two verses from Psalm 12, verse six and seven, and James 3, 17 as wisdom of purity in this topic.
1: Yeah, no, I love it. That's, That's a good spot to end. I think on the next episode, we're gonna pick up uniqueness of the embodiment that we have as God's image bearers and like why analog, why do we, why do we use that word analog and what does that even mean? Some of you might need that definition. So we'll pick that up next time, but there's a uniqueness of our embodied being like having physical bodies and the reality of our physical presence Mm -hmm. that can't be duplicated with digital technology. So that's another uniqueness that we're going
0: to need to unfold and get very practical on. So I'm excited about that. Excellent. Looking forward to part two, which will be episode 41, wrapping up episode 40, Deepening Roots and Growing Branches, New Light Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. This is Paul Arneberg with Pastor Brent Koppel. And thank you for listening again in winter 2024.